Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to the final message in our series called Hashtag Throwback. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. As she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last breath, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But, someone shout, but, his father named him Benjamin. I want to call this message this morning, and we're doing the hashtags here in this series. I want to call this message hashtag, call it what you want. Call it what you want. Come on, let's clap our hands for the worship team one more time. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. So excited. Come on, can you guys let me know? Anyone happy to be here this morning? So good. Hey, if it's your first time, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here, and uh, just honored you guys took the time to be with us. Uh, as I said, we're wrapping up a nine-week journey here at Kingdom Church, and uh, I just believe uh, that God has been working. Has anyone been blessed this summer at all? Anyone been able to catch anything online in the building? So good. So good. Church Online, hey, we love you guys. Uh, so happy you could be here. Um, I just believe, guys, that, that God has life-changing power, and I believe that God wants to change lives. And so um, always, we say, invite someone to church. Invite someone. If you know, hey, they need hope, they need healing, invite them to church. Uh, but, hey, every single message in this series and really every single message um, since the beginning of the summer and really the beginning of the year is online. And so I want to encourage you, if there's a message that you want to you want someone to see, and like you've been praying for someone, like, please come to church. I want you to come to church. Hey, send a message. Share a link. Go on YouTube. Pray over a title that speaks to you or a message that spoke to you and send it to someone because we just believe there's life-changing power. We believe that it can make a big difference. And so this morning, I want to finish up our series speaking on the subject, call it what you want. Call it what you want. Uh, I heard a story this week, and uh, this story takes place um, in the early 19th century uh, in colonial Africa when, when the Westerners are really starting to come in. And uh, what happened back in, I believe it was 1906, a bunch of Victorian uh, shoe company, a bunch of English uh, shoe companies, I should say, came to Africa because Africa was opening up uh, to these Westerners. And so all these shoe companies sent their representatives in order to see if there was any opportunity in Africa for shoes. And so a whole number of shoe companies went to Africa, and uh, when they went there, they, 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 they observed uh, the land, and they had a report. They all made reports, and the majority of them, they came back to England, and they all said the exact same thing. They said, no one in Africa wears shoes. So they said, there's absolutely no market here for us. That was all the shoe companies except for one shoe company known as the Beta Shoe Company. And what the Beta Shoe Company rep did, he observed the exact same thing as everyone else. But when he came back to England, he said something different. He said, I went there and he said, you wouldn't believe the opportunity. No one wears shoes. To this day, even in the most remote parts of Africa, the Beta Shoe Company is known as the Shoe of Africa. Have you guys ever noticed how two people can see the exact same thing but come to two completely different conclusions? 
Have you guys ever noticed where some people see obstacles, other people see opportunities? Like, have you guys ever experienced the same thing as someone else, but you came to two completely different conclusions? You guys ever seen a movie with someone? And like one of you loved it? And then the other person was like, man, this was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It's weird how two people can experience the same thing but come up with two completely different outcomes. This is something I learned really early when I was preaching. Uh, when I first started preaching, I would kind of have days and I'd have moments where after I finished speaking, I'd get really down on myself. And they'd be like, man, that was like the worst ever. Like this sucked. And... Uh, it was funny because every single time, pretty much without fail, when I really was down on myself, someone would come up to me after church or wherever it was, and they'd say, hey, that message really spoke to me. And I'd be like, I'm so glad because I thought it sucked. <laughs> but it's interesting, and God taught me a lesson, and it's a lesson I've taken to today because after I preach, I don't really think about it one way or another because I know I'm going to do me and God's going to do whatever God's got to do. But I just realized that what I think sucks, someone says, this blessed this bless me. And so what I realized that even at my worst, oftentimes God's working the most. And I just realized that two people, come on, can experience the same thing but call it something completely different. What some people see as rejected, God calls chosen. We're wrapping up a series here at church uh, called Hashtag Throwback. We've been going through the book of Genesis and if you're new to church, watching online, uh, all you need to know is the book of Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. And uh, we've been going through this ancient text, and we've been bringing forth some modern-day truths. And uh, I hope you've been blessed. For the last three weeks, we've been looking at a character by the name of Jacob. And as we wrap up this series, I want to wrap up with Jacob. Now, the book of Genesis does not end with Jacob, uh, but that's some further reading for you guys if you want to see how the book of Genesis ends. But for this series, we're going to end with Jacob. And we've been with him for a few weeks. If you guys have seen Jacob, we've kind of been on a journey with Jacob. Uh, we saw the first week that Jacob was kind of a shady dude. Anyone there for that first week? And uh, deceived his brother, stole his birthright, stole his blessing. And we saw how Jacob, his name became uh, known as Deceiver. But then God intervenes in his story and Jacob turns from Jacob to Israel. God, God changed his name from deceiver to Israel, and Israel mean God, means God's fights for. We saw that one week. Uh, last week, if you guys were here, we looked at Jacob's love story, and uh, we saw uh, one wife is more than enough. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. But really, last week, and I'd encourage you, if you missed it, go back, because I think it can speak to you. But we just looked at the dangers of what happens when you don't know your real problems. You'll end up chasing things that you think are the solutions, but you'll chase and you'll chase, and you'll chase, and it won't really get you anywhere until you actually figure out your issue. Like I said, go back and check it out. And so we looked last week specifically um, at Rachel and Leah, and this week, this morning, what I want to do is I kind of want to put a bow on Rachel's arc in the story. Uh, if you guys, again, were with us last week, um, we're going to read a verse in just a second here that we read last week. Uh, and what's happening, if you guys remember, Rachel could not have children. But then Rachel finally has a child, and, and it was a dramatic thing, right? She's like, Jacob, give me a son, give me a child, or I'll die. Like, just dramatic. Um, but God blesses her, and she has a child. Uh, but if you guys remember, that, that should have been the end of the story. But she's like, God, just give me another. And so I want to just read it again, Genesis 30, verse 22. This is important for today. It says, then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. 
She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace, and she named him Joseph. But then she said, may the Lord add to me another. Just one more. God, one more. Like, I know this is a miracle. One more. Just one more. And so what happens, and when we pick up our story today, God has answered her prayer. And Rachel, the woman who was unable to conceive, the barren woman, is now pregnant for the second time. Because guess what? Sometimes, and I, I would say this, even in times when it may not be in our best interest, God answers prayers. God hears our prayers. And I just need someone to know here this morning that you've been praying, God hears you. God hears our prayers. God hears our cries. And so she says, God, give me another son. And so God answers her prayer. Rachel is pregnant. That's the context. Everyone following? Amazing. Genesis 35, this is where we're going to be for the remainder of the morning. Uh, It says that this is many years later now. It says, then they moved on from Bethel. That's Jacob and his whole family. And it says, while they were still some distance away from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she had great difficulty. So she goes into labor, and she has great difficulty. Have you guys ever been in a situation where you prayed for something and God gave you the very thing that you asked for and then when you got the thing that you thought you wanted, there was a great difficulty that came along with it? You guys ever experienced that where you thought you needed something and then when you got it, it wasn't exactly what you thought it would be like? You see, the very thing that Rachel prayed for, God gave it to her, yet it was causing her a great difficulty. This was the answer to prayer, but the answer didn't really look like what she thought it was going to look like. It kind of reminds me uh, when we started this church, and uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Kreja kind of mentioned it, uh, we're about to celebrate two years next month. Come on, somebody, let's clap our hands for the faithfulness of God. And now whether you're watching this online, whether you're here in, in the building this morning, what you need to understand is that you are sitting in the midst of a God dream. This is a God dream. This place is a testament to the faithfulness of God. Now, now, now the vision for our church, it was really simple. I, I wanted to plant a church, and this was the vision that God gave me, where people who were far from Jesus could come into a church free of barriers and experience the life-changing power of Jesus. That was the vision. That was the hope, and y'all are sitting in it. And so I need you to understand when Krisha says we exist for the one, uh, that's, not just, that's not just lip service, that's vision and that's a dream that comes from God because God is for the one. And on our church exists because I know there are people sitting out there this morning and saying, man, I just wish my son was here because he doesn't believe anymore. I just wish my coworker was here. Guess what? That's why we started this church. It's for the one. And that was the prayer and that was the vision and that was the dream. And so I'll never forget we started the church and I preached um, this message very first week and some of you faithful saints have been here since the very beginning. Um, but like I hadn't preached in like four or five months and so like I just had that thing ready to go, right? Like just word in my heart and I preached it and we just had like decision after decision after decision for Jesus and it was just amazing and God just moved and uh, I was like, man, yes, God answers prayers, God is faithful. But I'll never forget that second week um, after the first week And it wasn't even so much the second week of church. It was more so even just the week leading up to to, to the service. And I remembered as I went down to prepare uh, my message, I just kind of began to think to myself, because our vision has been crystal clear, right? We're we're four unchurched people. If, If you don't know Jesus, you're in the right spot. 
But I was like, how do I preach that every single week? Like, what does that actually look like? And I remember that second week, man, like, like no week since I was stressed out. Because I was like, what do I say? Because like I, I, I shot my one bullet last week. I don't know if I got anything else. But then things got, began to get really bad because I realized, wait a second, week two, that's one, one thing. What about week three and four and five and 55? Because guess what? There's no associate pastor. <laughs> There's no one else I can pawn this off to. Like, it's just me. And I, I'll never forget the amount of just like the amount of difficulty that I was feeling. That week, but it was really weird because I was standing in the midst of what I've been praying for and what I want to. But I need you guys to answer something, understand something. Sometimes the things we want most in life won't look the way we thought they would. Sometimes the things we want the most will look different than we thought. Come on, I know y'all have been here. I've talked to you guys before. It's like, man, I'm so happy. Thank you, Daddy God. I got the job. And then week two, it's like, I hate my boss, I hate my coworkers, I hate my hours. Right? Sometimes, come on, someone say sometimes. Sometimes the very things that we pray for when we get them, they don't look exactly the way that we thought they were going to look. Some of us is like, man, God bless me. I got into Grant Mac. I'm doing pre-med. Thank you, Jesus. After the first test, it's like, I'm going to gap here right now. It's just... It's a gap for your parents. Uh, you guys have been here before with your kids, right? It's like, guys, please, mom, dad, I just want a dog. So if you get us a dog, we'll love it, we'll care for it, and then the dog comes, and you realize, like, very quickly the kids love the dog, but they don't care for the dog, right? And so it's, it just looks different than you thought it was. And so listen, in this situation, Rachel has prayed, God, give me one more son. But it's causing her great difficulty. The very thing she wanted looks different than what she was experienced. What do we do in life when the promise looks different than the reality? Look what happens next, verse 17. It says, and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, for you are having another son. Now, I need you guys to understand something, because this is an ancient childbirth. Right, like there's, there's no doctors, just the midwife. This is before the epidural, right? And I'm so thankful that when my wife gave birth, I didn't actually know what an epidural was. Uh, I didn't know it was like a needle that's like that long and goes into your spine. Because uh, like when the doctor was doing his thing, if I would have known that, I would have passed out. <laughs> I didn't know what he was doing back there. I didn't ask questions. Christy explained it afterwards. Uh, but in this time, and anyone that's given birth knows there's, there's already a certain amount of fear around the whole situation. And so when something's not going right, there there must have been a great amount of fear. Rachel was having great difficulty. But the midwife said to her, do not despair for you're having another son. And what's so interesting when I was reading this story, I realized something that the midwife could not give her an epidural because it was not invented yet. But the midwife was giving her something far more valuable than drugs. What the midwife was offering was perspective. It was as to say, Rachel, do not, because when I read this and what the Bible is trying to let us know is that Rachel is on the verge of giving up. I'm saying, I I don't think I'm going to make this. And listen, in ancient times, and I guess still today, but in ancient times especially, it was not an uncommon thing for the mother and child to die in birth. And so Rachel's just thinking, hey, this is it. I'm just going to give up. 
I, I can't make it. It's too hard. There's too much pain. But the midwife offers her perspective as if to say, Rachel, do not give up. This is the very thing that you prayed for. This is what you wanted. Don't give up. Listen, maybe there's someone here this morning. You're in a spot, someone listening online, and you're about to give up. Because it's too hard, because it didn't look like how you thought it would look like. Guess what? I came here to be a midwife for someone and say, don't give up. Don't give up. So listen, what do we do in life when things look different? Simple. We need to surround ourselves with people that give us perspective. We need to surround ourselves with people that give us perspective. Now, in this moment, Jacob, as the husband, he probably knew his place to say nothing. (laughs) I can imagine, right, Jacob? He's like, Rachel, this is, shut up! (laughs) Don't say anything. Here's the thing about perspective. The reason, and this sounds elementary, right? Surround ourselves with people that offer us perspective. Here's the reality how most of us live. We try to surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear. We we surround ourselves with people that think the exact same way that we think. Because here's the reality, and can I tell you guys this, and you guys can tell me if you agree or not. Most times when we're going through something, we don't want advice. I just want people that will agree with me. Like when I'm really angry, just be angry with me. It's funny, one thing that um, I just... I'm so thankful for, for my wife, Christy. I just mentioned her. Um, if there's one thing that she's amazing at doing, it's offering perspective. And, and especially in times in my life where I'm low or I'm angry or whatever it is, uh, she has this tendency not to go along in the same train of thought that I go on. As sometimes it makes me angry. Because I say, woman, submit to your husband as the word says. <laughs> But I just, I so appreciate it because there's times where I'm so close to this situation that I need a fresh set of eyes. That I I need someone to step back and offer me perspective. Can I tell you guys something? Listen to this. Because a lot of times perspective is going to be hard. And you're not going to want to hear it. But listen, write this one down. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not true. This was still a hard pill to swallow that the midwife said to Rachel. Hey, this is the promise. That's hard in the moment, but it's actually true. I know your boss sucks, but you were praying for this job last week. So I appreciate perspective. And one thing that I always say when when I give people relational advice, I just ask a simple question. I say, hey, does this person make you better? And I think one of the simplest ways that, that another person can make you better is by offering perspective. Because listen, this is relationally and with friendships. If you're surrounded, like especially relationships, where like if you're heated and all that person does is like put another log on the fire, it's like, yeah, your family is stupid. Listen, you, you got like that friend group, right? And so it's like, hey, tell me what's wrong. Let's pour it. Yeah, no, he's, your husband's the worst. You see, we need to surround ourselves with people that offer us perspective. And so the question I ask in the relationships, I say, does this person make you better? And what that means is simply, are we surrounding ourselves with people that call us to a higher standard? That, that, that at times don't deal with our BS, you know what I'm saying? 
Because it's really easy for us to agree with someone, but sometimes the hardest things are what people actually need to hear. That's what people need to hear. And so listen, friends, this is why we need church. This is why we need church. I, I hope you guys, and I hope in this moment, like I'm offering you guys perspective, but the reality is this. The purpose of church is not just to hear a message. It's not just to, to sing. It's to surround ourselves with a like-minded, a body of believers that we hope can call us to a higher standard. That they can say, hey, I need perspective right now. I, one of the things I love about our church is that we're a multi-generational church. And so what that means is we have older people, we have younger people, everyone in between. All the older people think they're in between. And so the beauty of a multi-generational church is that the hope is when we're all together, we can offer each other perspective. Because there's something that when, 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 you're, when you're younger, you need to hear from someone older than you because they've been through it. Because they've experienced what you haven't experienced. And, and it goes both ways. If you're older, sometimes you need to hear from a younger person. Say, hey, I'm trying to connect with my son. I don't know what to do. That's the beauty of church. I love what Proverbs 15 says. It says, the tongues of the wise make knowledge appealing. Look at this. But the mouth of fools belches out foolishness. Our world, one thing I've realized, and I say it all the time, is that our world belches out foolishness. Every single day, you guys are surrounded with foolishness. Instagram is pretty much 90% foolishness. The news is foolishness. But for so many of us, this is our barometer for how we live, how we treat people, relationally. I love the, the, the vividness. It belches out foolishness. It's like a burp. It just catches everyone in its... But the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. And so that's, that, that's the purpose of church. Like, why do I need church? Because I need people. Listen, you want to get connected in our church next week, Growth Track starts. We will connect you. I can't wait till next week. Today, look for someone with a white kingdom church shirt. They'll talk to you. Look for me. I'm in plaid. I'll talk to you. <laughs> the purpose of church is so we can connect and bring each other up and offer perspective. Because I know someone here needs to hear, don't give up. It's too early to give up. And so what happens, I think in this moment, the midwife gives Rachel just enough, uh, enough energy, enough uh, inspiration that she's able to actually go through and have the baby. But I want to see what happens next, Genesis 35, verse 18. It says, as she breathed her last, for she was indeed dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. Now, if you guys have been with us through this series, you'll know that in Genesis, names are important. And names have meaning and names have significance. And so what we see in this moment is that Rachel, for a second, she has perspective. This, this is the promise. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through it. But what happens is the pain continues. The pain continues. Anyone ever been encouraged for a moment, for a season, after a sermon? And you feel good, like I'm going to conquer the world, but then the pain continues. But then it doesn't get better. And so Rachel, for a moment, she has enough to give birth to this son. But then when the pain continues, when she knows it's not going to go the way she thought it was going to go, she names her son Benoni. And Benoni means son 
of my sorrow. Son of my sorrow. And so every single time someone sees her son, Rachel says, I want them to remember my pain. I want them to remember what this cost. And so we know, we heard this is actually a miracle, right? This son was a miracle. But instead, she calls it Benoni, son of my sorrow. And I just wonder if there's people here this morning, you've been encouraged before, you've been encouraged in the past, but the pain has continued. But, but, but it hasn't gotten any better. And, and I've just realized in life for so many of us, we experience temporary change. Temporary relief. It's like an Advil every four to six hours. It's, it's temporary, but the pain continues. I'm good for a weekend. But then what happens for so many of us, it goes back to normal. And, and our normal for so many of us is stress, right? I just need to stress. I just, I need to be worried. My, my, my normal is anger. My normal is anxiety. My normal is pain. My normal is to just feel bad about myself, to feel like I'm not good enough. And so for so many of us, we have this default mode. It's, it's this default mode that says, this is who I am. I am not good enough. I am broken. Son of my sorrow. There's actually a name for this, a psychological term. It's called the status quo bias. And what it is, it's a term that's referring to an emotional bias that prefers things the way they are. Now, for so many of us, to get to those good places, to get to those good spaces, that's not our default. Our default is worry. Our default is pain. Our default is to have negative perceptions of ourselves. And so a status quo bias says, I know what I need to do to get there, but I'd rather be here in my pain. Companies use this all the time, the status quo bias. You guys know free subscriptions? I know some of y'all thought Disney Plus loved you. Um, but the reason we get these subscriptions, these 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, is because companies are working on the belief that the status quo bias will come through. And so what they hope when they give you a, a subscription is that you'll get so used to it, the way it is, that when it comes time to cancel, You'll just be too lazy to cancel. I just can't do it. <laughs> and, and, and really, like, this was back, like, when there was mailers and stuff, and it was really hard to cancel, like, your People magazine subscription, right? But it's this idea, because we as people, when we get so used to something, we know, and, like, some of y'all, like, you got the free trial for Disney+, Plus, you realize this sucks, there's very limited new content, but you're like, I'm just too lazy to cancel it. So now you have it for the next year. It's a default mode. Let's just go back to default. I don't, I don't want to change. I don't want to be encouraged. It's easier to be discouraged. It's easier to be down in my pain. But listen, what I want to do this morning, what I believe God has called me here to do, because I know there are people, you need perspective, but you need something more than perspective. You need to, to begin to be introspective and look at yourself. And say, hey, what do I do in my low seasons? What do I do when things aren't going well? For so many of us, we just need to change our default. We need to change our default. I just, I believe there are people in this room that you have been calling situations sorrow when God wants to call it something else. God doesn't want you to see yourself the way you've been seeing yourself. God wants us to change our default. You're like, Pastor, how do I do that? What does that look like? 
Uh, the beauty of this series, we've been in Genesis, first book of the Bible, but the, the word of God is not just in Genesis. There's 66 books. We've got Old Testament, New Testament to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be uplifted. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, the apostle Paul in the New Testament, I believe, gives us some very important details how to change our default. This is what he says. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't fight like everyone else fights. The world says when I'm stressed out, watch Netflix and disconnect. That's not what I do because I have a power. That's what he's saying. And that's Jesus. That's my weapon. The Bible says the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you and me. And so what that means, when I'm going through something, I don't, I don't fight like the world fights. I was talking to my great friend this week, and uh, she texted me, and she had a job, an important job. And uh, she said, hey, I'm going to find out um, on Wednesday, send me some good vibes. And uh, she's a Christian. And sometimes you need perspective. And so I texted her back, and I said, I'm not going to send you any vibes because vibes don't do anything. I said, what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to pray for you. And guess what? I prayed, and I hope she prayed, and she got the job. Come on, somebody, because we don't. We don't fight the way the world fights. The world says do it one way. The world says vibes. We say prayer. It says, you need to worry. God says, don't be anxious about anything. He says, I'm not good enough. The Bible says, guess what? You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20. Come on, somebody. I don't, I don't fight. I don't fight how the world fights. I got something different. And so what he says, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so what that means is if I'm feeling something and I know it's not from God because God would never say that about me. I shouldn't see myself that way. I take that thought and I make it, I take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. How do I do that? I put it in context. I put it in perspective. Who does God say I am? What's, what's the outcome of this situation? Well, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper for a hope and a future. So I take every thought and I put it in context. I don't fight how the world fights. Y'all ever wonder why we sing that song, this is how I fight my battles? Because what we're saying is every season, every thought, man, I don't need anything else. I just need Jesus. This is, this is how I fight my battles. It's, it's turning worry into worship. It's turning fear into faith. This is how I fight my battles. And so Genesis 35, 18, we're closing. It says, as Rachel breathed her last, last breath, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But, someone shout but. His father, Jacob, named him Benjamin. What does Benjamin mean? Because we know Benoni means son of my sorrow. What does Benjamin mean? Now listen, you need to understand. Before we can see what Benjamin means, we need to understand Jacob. Because we've been on this journey with Jacob. 
And one thing that we've seen with Jacob is that Jacob has experienced the power and the life-changing power of God. And so when we experience the power of God, when we experience that life change, it puts everything in perspective. And so what we saw in Jacob's life was that Jacob was someone and his name became known as Deceiver. Jacob the Deceiver. But there's this wrestling match where he holds on to God and God says to him, you will no longer be Jacob, but you will be Israel. You don't have to see yourself that way. I don't care what they call you. I don't care what you've done. This is who you are. You're Israel. And so Jacob, now he has that foreknowledge. I I serve the God of the turnaround. I serve the God that gives us naming rights. The God that says, I can change my situation and call it something different because that's how I fight my battles. And so what happens, he says this, and and it's kind of rude because Rachel's like, I'm going to name him Benoni. Give me one last dying wish. Son of my sorrow. But Jacob says, no, 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 no. He's not going to be called Benoni. He's going to be called Benjamin. What does Benjamin mean? Benjamin means son of my right hand. Some of us are like, what? That's it. We need to understand what the right hand is and what the right hand symbolizes. You see, the right hand in ancient culture and really throughout the whole Bible, it symbolizes two things. Number one, the right hand is the hand of blessing. And so when Jacob got the blessing from his father Isaac, when Isaac put his hand on his head and he blessed him, it would have been his right hand. And so the right hand symbolizes all the plans that God has for you, the hope, the future, the plans he has for Jacob. I'm going to make you a great nation, a father of nations. It's, it's the hand of blessing. And so every single time he sees his son Benjamin, he says, you're not a son of sorrow. You're the son of my blessing. Two things. The second thing is that every single time in Scripture when it refers to the right hand or the righteous right hand of God, it is a direct metaphor for what God is for us. God is our right hand. He's the hand that uplifts us. He's the hand that that fights for us. He's the hand that goes before us. And so when Jacob says, this is Benjamin, what he's saying is this is not Benoni. This is not son of my sorrow. This is Benjamin, son of my strength. I'm not going to call it that. I know there's hurt there. I know there's brokenness there, but I'm not going to call it sorrow. I'm going to call it strength. Listen to this, church. Let's stand, let's stand for a second. I need us to understand this because this applies for each and every single one of us. God has given us the ability to name our situations. What some people call sorrow, what you call sorrow, we call strength. And it's not just this situation. I think the person that best replicated this for us was Jesus. Because what happened with Jesus, because of his love for us, he went to the cross. Now, as the Romans sent him to the cross, they thought this was going to be the end. This is how we'll take him up. This is how we'll stop the movement. But what happened with Jesus is that when Jesus went to the cross, he said, I know you call the cross death. I know you call it the end, but I'm going to call it something completely different. This is just the beginning. I'm going to name it something different. Come on, church. Everyone in this moment, we're going to sing real loud. Because I just believe in this moment, you've been going through things. You've been fighting one way, but we're not going to fight that way. We're going to fight the way that God calls us to fight. And that's what 
worship. That's what's praise. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, somebody. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. Let's give God praise. says, for we know that in all things God works for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so listen, whatever you're going through right now, whatever season it is, God is saying, what do you want to name? Call it what you want. Call it what you want. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Listen right now. If you want to say, God, Jesus, I need I need you, I need you. I want to give my life to you. I've heard about you. I've heard things about you. I've just seen you from a distance, but I want to give everything to you. If that's you right here, right now, we want to give you the chance to respond to the love of Jesus. All you got to do is raise your hand. Every person that is following Jesus is praying for you in this room right now. You're just saying, God, I want to give you my everything. I want to follow you. I'm a count backwards from three and just show me your hand. In three, two, one, just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, come on, let's pray this together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, I need you. I need you now more than ever. I give you my everything. I give you my wins. And I give you my sins. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for every person that made that decision. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, we would love to get in touch with you. So why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and connect with us today. Until next time, take care.